Welcome to Breaking Green, a podcast by Global Justice Ecology Project. On Breaking Green, we will talk with activists and experts to examine the intertwined issues of social, ecological, and economic injustice. We will also explore some of the more outrageous proposals to address climate and environmental crises that are falsely being sold as green. I am your host, Steve Taylor. Natural forests are important in fighting climate change, but what are we doing to protect them? The film Shawnee Showdown was screened at the Yale Environmental Film Festival earlier this year. It documents the colorful and successful protests to prevent logging in the Shawnee National Forest in southern Illinois. The protests, along with legal efforts, were successful in winning a 17-year moratorium on logging. Now, activists are working to make the Shawnee National Forest in southern Illinois the first climate preserve in the United States. The designation would prevent logging and other resource extraction from disturbing the forest in order to allow it to continue to act as a natural and highly effective carbon sink. Supporters argue that allowing natural forests and public lands to stand is an efficient and necessary tool in fighting climate change. In this episode of Breaking Green, we will talk with John Wallace, who is working to make the Shawnee National Forest the nation's first climate preserve. Wallace is a former public land and municipal water manager. He also worked as an environmental educator from Southern Illinois University's Touch of Nature and Environmental Center. As a forest activist in the Shawnee National Forest and public land in and around the Southern Illinois region for 33 years, Wallace has taken on public awareness campaigns, tackled pro se litigation, and participated in nonviolent direct action in defense of the natural world. He is a founding member of the Shawnee Forest Defense and the 28-year-old Shawnee chapter of the Illinois Audubon Society, IAS. He is currently the Shawnee Audubon chapter president and serves on the Land Acquisition and Sanctuary Committee of the IAS, the oldest non-governmental conservation organization in Illinois. John has served as a volunteer land steward for IAS, has a Bachelor's of Science in Plant and Soil Science from Southern Illinois University, and has been known to portray the writer, mountaineer, and conservationist John Muir in living history performances. John Wallace, welcome to Breaking Green. Thanks for having me, Steve. It's great to be here. So, John, you're in a movie about a months-long logging road blockade in the 1990s and legal efforts to preserve the Shawnee National Forest from commercial logging. That movie, Shawnee Showdown, made by filmmaker and cinema professor Cade Bursell, has been screening at various venues, including Yale's Environmental Film Festival earlier this year. You are a central figure in the film. Um, Let's listen to the trailer of that movie uh, now, and then we can come back and uh, discuss it. Shawnee has much better uses than to go in and completely destroy the forest. They truck tons of hardwood out of the Shawnee National Forest. The Wilderness Society, which has done its own version of Teespers, says the Shawnee lost nearly $1.3 million in a comparable year. Clear-cutting, they cut um, everything down. And so we just thought, well, we'll just sit down in the middle of the logging road, and if they want to come through, they're going to have to go through us. And at some point, you just have to, as Edward Abbey had, had said, draw a line in the sand and say, thus far and no farther. We're here to be nonviolent, but to speak out as citizens of Jackson County in the United States. Those of you who have the commitment, you best be ready to go to jail. 
Thank you all for coming. Please stay and fight. In the film, uh, there are very dramatic shots of you being removed from a logging skidder with an acetylene torch by authorities after you had locked your head to it with a kryptonite bicycle lock. This happened after a months-long blockade on a logging road. For those who have not seen the film, could you tell us more about those protests? Sure. Um, <clears throat> local people took up uh, um, trying to protect the the public land on the Shawnee back in the summer of 1990 and eventually filed suit. Um, and uh, resulting from that, <clears throat> this protest began um, and uh, it lasted uh, in the middle of a, a logging road. We set up a uh, vigil and, and uh, uh, a protest site um, for uh, 79 days before it ended. On, on day 77, uh, the U.S. Forest Service and logging companies came in to uh, log the site, and uh, and that's when I attached myself with a bicycle lock and and uh, um, was removed by an acetylene torch. Um, it was uh, um, an interesting experience, uh, um, uh, just a uh, uh, an, an inspirational. Um, way for me to exercise my constitutional rights. And it actually had a profound impact, I believe, on, on forest management overall. Well, this this was not typical in, in the Midwest. And I believe this was this this logging road uh, vigil and blockade was the first of its type in North America. Um, but there were also legal efforts that went alongside with the protests and that led to a moratorium. Could you uh, explain that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, the 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 legal aspects are really what the motivation was behind the uh, um, uh, the encampment and and that uh, seventy nine day protest. It uh, um, we actually um, in, in day seventy seven. Uh, the uh, Forest Service came in with a logging company. And they began logging, and by day seventy nine, they had quit because we did win a court injunction. Uh, so the the protest was actually quite successful. Eventually, the Fairview timber sale did get logged, but that started a snowball effect. Um, the uh, congressional delegation of the state of Illinois actually sent the Forest Service a letter. Um, in uh, the early part of 1991, asking the agency to not log Fairview, but the agency um, snubbed their nose at, at the lawmakers and went ahead and and uh, and logged it. Um, more litigation followed. Eventually, a lawsuit over the entire National Forest Management Plan uh, that was successful, and that resulted in a 17-year injunction against logging, ATV use, oil and gas drilling, and a, one or two other uh, 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 abusive uses of our public land. Um, and so we did have a great deal of success overall, but it it required many different assets from civil disobedience to litigation to public education uh, to uh, a lobby, our, our elected officials. Um, but uh, um, it was uh, an overall incredibly successful event. The, the film interviews uh, attorneys, you, 
uh, other uh, residents and activists in the region. And I, and I think it's made clear that it is believed that that 17-year uh, moratorium would not have happened with just one element, the civil disobedience by itself or, or, or even the litigation by itself. Am I reading that right? Oh, absolutely. You know, that, that uh, if, if someone is, is uh, passionate about trying to uh, protect a place, a location, uh, um, uh, you know, really trying to make environment, serious environmental change, uh, you have to incorporate many different approaches. You have to be very diverse in, in how, you, uh, um, how you approach it. Or the chances of a failure are, are quite, uh, uh, quite large, I hate to say. So there was a lot of popular support that was generated through the protests. There was successful litigation. Uh, even uh, members of Congress came to the aid of the Shawnee National Forest. What were some of the points that really resonated with the public? I, I remember uh, discussions in this film of below-cost timber sales. Yes. Um, so the U.S. Forest Service uh, sells timber to uh, the timber industry, sells lumber, and then they come in and, and log it off. Um, and uh, the agency is known for selling it at well below the cost that it takes to actually prepare it. Uh, one of the big largest expenses, for instance, is road building. You know, the USDA Forest Service used to be the largest road building entity in the world. I'm not sure if that still is is a case, but every time they do something in, in our wild lands um, in this country, they have to build roads to bring in all the equipment. And usually the equipment is on, is on large trucks. And uh, uh, for instance, the Fairview timber sale, um, it was a, uh, I believe it, it was less than $55,000 is what the timber sold for. The logging road itself, just to be built the first time, cost 43000 It actually was rebuilt twice. Um, and then there's marking costs, there's, there's monitoring costs, there's uh, uh, restoration costs, all those things. The taxpayers um, foot the bill. And, and uh, by the time they were done with, of course, it also involved the uh, uh, defense, uh, the, the uh, uh, law enforcement. Um, I believe it was uh, almost $600,000 was what was how much money the agency put into the Fairview timber sale. So put that into perspective. It sold for less than fifty-five thousand, and and uh, I, I believe the figure was five hundred eighty-nine thousand. Um, so it's it uh, it the agency is notorious for losing tax dollars while they're selling not off not just the uh, um, the wood they're selling off the integrity of our forests and the uh, uh, functioning of of forest ecosystems. Right. E even without the, the, the protest and the, uh, uh, the, the law enforcement that, that would have gone along with that, uh, timber sales uh, tend to be below cost. And uh, the Shawnee had lost uh, over a million dollars. And well, I guess a million dollars per year. I mean, could you give us some scale to that? Yeah, it, it varied. The more logging that takes place, the more, the more they lose. So, um, and unfortunately, there is an archaic law in place that, that actually encourages the agency to sell more timber, regardless of how much it costs. 
because it, it, if if the agency can show that they're that they're providing more um, more timber, uh, regardless of of how much it, it costs or how much revenue they bring in, their budgets are are automatically increased. It's it's a, a corrupt system, unfortunately. Um, but uh, um, as a rule. The you know the Shawnee has lost over a million dollars annually, uh, you know sometimes several million, sometimes you know just right at a million. It, it all depends on the volume that they log. So in the 1990s, when the Forest Service was cutting the Shawnee, they were saying that it was to regenerate uh, the 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 forest. The forest was becoming degenerate, and that it would promote oak hickory or, or oak growth. Uh, in the movie, that's addressed. Uh, it, it, it shows you going back and revisiting the cut sites. What did you guys find decades later? We went back and found that it's not true. The oaks are not coming back. All of this logging is, was just a, uh, um, um, you know, it, it was just a bureaucratic doublespeak. And and what was really stunning in, in, in the film was that these trees, which were over 100 years old, were, were being used for pallets by Anheuser-Busch. Yeah. You know, it's it's one thing. If truly we need the resources, um, then, then uh, proper logging is something that, that, that uh, I wouldn't oppose. You know, uh, selective logging, if it truly is a, a needed resource. But, yeah. These 120-year-old uh, majestic oak trees were being uh, cut down, uh, were, were being uh, um, um, skidded out of the forest, loaded onto log trucks, and, and hauled to Missouri to be turned into pallets, which most of them were at the time were used only once, and, and then found their way to the landfill. Again, more carbon escapes. Right now, what's happening um, is... Our trees are being cut down and shipped over to Missouri again, um, and they're being ground up into uh, livestock bedding. Um, and you can, you know, any you can go to uh, um, uh, what is it, tractor supply company or corporation TSC, um, and they have they sell these these uh, um, bales of uh, of pine shavings. Um, I believe they're four foot uh, four cubic foot bales. Um, and, uh, and that comes out of the, out of the Shawnee. And again, when you think about the whole process with, the, with a carbon cycle, you know, you, you've taken these trees with all of this stored carbon in the trunks and the, in the branches and in the ground, you take the, the trunks away and you grind them all up. And, and as soon as they're exposed to the air, they start decomposing and giving off carbon dioxide, you know, and, and, and ground up anyone that knows anything about wood. Ground up wood decomposes a lot faster than 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 a log decomposes. Um, so it really releases a, a a lot more carbon and is really uh, short sighted. Uh, but again, it's not. And then if if it were accomplishing what the agency said was, uh, if the oaks were coming back, it would be different. But the oaks aren't coming back. So um, why? does the Forest Service really want to manage the forest? I've heard it argued that um, it's because of budget. 
they have a budget to manage and, and, and they need to manage the forest to, to, to bring in money. Is, is that an accurate assessment? It is. I'm, I mean, foresters are people that manipulate forests. That's what they do. They don't, they, they don't just, uh, most, it's really rare to find a forester that is quite, um, satisfied with leaving the natural processes. Uh, to manage the forest. They want to manipulate it. It provides jobs for other foresters. So there is this this uh, uh, system in place that rewards them for doing that. And so that's why we keep doing making these same mistakes over and over again. So there was a 17-year logging moratorium uh, for the Shawnee National Forest because of the protests, because of the litigation, because of all of that, there's there's been historically a lot of local support for the forest as a natural habitat, as a forest, leave it alone. What's happening now? Well, right now the agency is back to logging levels that uh, I think exceed uh, logging levels of the uh, 1980s. Um, there are a number of projects on the books uh, right now. The agency has issued decision notices on on what it about uh, ten thousand acres of uh, clear cut style logging, shelter wood logging, and uh, and now local people, myself included, are um, are trying to fight this. And we have a number of different uh, approaches. Um, this film has helped helped us communicate uh, our message. But uh, right now we have a, uh, um, a proposal in place to transfer the Shawnee out of the U.S. Department of Agriculture and into the U.S. Department of Interior Park Service to create the new Shawnee National Park and the nation's first climate preserve. And it is uh, gaining momentum. This is your host, Steve Taylor. And we will be back right after this. Global Justice Ecology Project partners with small nonprofits when a group or organization whose non-for-profit work closely aligns with our mission by becoming a fiscal sponsor. This helps them minimize bureaucracy so they can focus on their crucial work for ecological and social justice, forest protection, and human rights. GJEP is proud to sponsor Save the Pine Barrens. Save the Pine Barrens advocates for accountability and transparency as a route to raise awareness and educate the community about what it takes to make change happen. They are working to save the Atlantic Coastal Pine Barrens from mining and industrial development. Also known as pitch pine or scrub oak barrens, pine barrens are a globally rare habitat type with Massachusetts supporting the third largest example in the world behind New Jersey and Long Island. Protection of barrens habitat will also help protect the recharge area for the largest groundwater reserve in the state. To learn more, go to savethepinebarrens.org. Welcome back to Breaking Green. So, John, tell me about the Shawnee and plans to make it into a climate preserve and how that fits into the idea of proforestation. Well, let me let me step back just a little bit and just just really impress the fact that um, that our life support systems on this planet are um, are crashing right now. Uh, you know the web of life is is 
coming unraveled. We're seeing it, um, you know, we're seeing this uh, uh, insect populations are crashing. Our bird populations are crashing. They All these food webs that are so uh, interconnected, um, it is because primarily, it seems with all the evidence that we have, um, and the UN uh, uh, Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change reports and, and all the scientists involved with that, that uh, it is a result of climate change that is upon us. Our Earth is warming unnaturally fast. And we have to do, we have to do things. We have to stop producing so much carbon dioxide. Um, which is primarily uh, the result of uh, internal combustion engines. We have to we have to uh, reduce our our carbon footprint. But one of the one of the most important concepts we need to do is sequester the carbon that is already in the atmosphere. Now it is a lengthy process to stabilize our the Earth's temperature, the Earth's atmosphere, and we need to. Uh, uh, do whatever we can to sequester as, as much carbon as possible. The best method um, on land to actually do this is intact, mature forest ecosystems. And there's nothing like it on on land on Earth. Um, now, aquatic ecosystems are very important. I don't want to take anything away from from them whatsoever. But uh, there are all these these uh, false solutions to um you know to create these these different uh, uh engineering uh, methodologies but the problem is every one of them takes it they produce more carbon dioxide just to you know as as well as uh we can even re, you know we can even reduce carbon our carbon footprint by by using uh, uh sustainable energies but the problem you know those have negative consequences too um, you know, uh, many solar um, photovoltaic arrays take a lot of uh, rare minerals that, that have to be mined out of the ground. Uh, um, uh, the uh, um, wind farms, uh, you know, are known for chopping up birds. <laughs> you know, the birds fly right into them, it, you know, on and on. We have to we have to decrease our our consumption and our production of carbon dioxide. And we have to get this the stabilization by sequestration and storage, and forests are the best way to do that. So there's all kinds of forest management. You know, there's there's uh, um, there's deforestation. There's there's afforestation where you plant trees to uh, um, uh, where they weren't growing before. Reforestation. You know, after trees are logged, you plant new trees. You know, you get new trees to come up. But there is also a management. Uh, description that is relatively new that as you mentioned is called proforestation and it is leaving functioning ecosystems intact allowing them to do their uh, what they do so well and that is sequester and store carbon and when when you log a forest not only do do you stop that process of sequestration the forest then starts becoming a carbon source as opposed to a carbon sink, which is what you need to be pulling in more carbon than, than giving off. And uh, it's very complicated, but it's also pretty simple. You know, we, we uh, the more we protect the mature forests that we have, the better off we are in our public lands is the best way to do it. Our, our, the best quality of ecosystems are found on public land. So it's, it is a, a way 
to uh, help battle this um, or to mitigate climate change. And, and it's something that, that can be done all across North America. It can, can be done all over the world. And it doesn't cost us anything. You know, it doesn't cost us money and it doesn't cost us carbon, which is which is a, a rare um, option. You know, uh, all the other uh, false solutions actually produce carbon as well. And that, you know, we just have to leave our forests alone. Wow. Those are very interesting points. I mean, if we are serious about addressing climate change, I mean, we, we have something that's already here you know, our forest and, and those in the, in the public lands and the national forest system, let's, let's leave them there. Let's leave them intact. Uh, that's a very powerful argument. Um, so what does that look like agency wise? Uh, what you're proposing, is it going to move from the USDA to some other agency? So the U S department of agriculture's forest service is, has a very production oriented mindset. They're, they're in the department of ag. You know, the, when you think about agriculture, you're producing a product. The reason we, we use agriculture, we take from the land and we, we make a, a food. We make, um, there's all kinds of different agricultural products. Well, the forest service is the same. Um, and so that is, I've found that that is a very difficult, um, nut to crack with that agency. However, the U.S. Uh, Department of Interior Park Service has just three missions, you know, just three um, motivations for their existence in, in their mission. And one is is preservation of the of the resource. Uh, the second is education about the resource, and then the third is recreation. And that can help not only the forest ecosystems and all the different organisms that live in within the forest ecosystem it can help the people too um and and uh you know that's important we're part of uh this planet and it is really uh um um uh, a valuable aspect and and there are currently 63 national parks and 21 national preserves. Almost all of the preserves are associated with a park. And so national parks are highly valued by the public. Um, uh, you know, it's rare that, that people that are on vacation um, don't go out of their way to, if they're near a national park, to visit a national park. The same can't be sent for uh, um, national forests, unfortunately. And the agency is not as good at, at managing recreation and, and, and protecting the resource, uh, the U.S. Forest Service, as is the National Park Service. And so that's where we're going on this, uh, on this front. And we think that, uh, um, that others will pick up this idea as well. You know, we in this part of the country. So we're in the center of, of North America and the center of the U.S. There is a, a, a relatively noticeable absence of national parks and the national parks are considered America's best idea. And it's for good reason. You know, it, it's to to just protect these um, these natural components of this land and wilderness areas so that. Um, they can be appreciated by, um, gen, you know, for generations to come and, uh, and all of the organisms that are found in these ecosystems can thrive. So it's, it's a, I think it's a win-win. It also, since that brings in more visitors to, um, uh, to a national park and say a national forest, 
it will help to establish more of a sustainable economy in the region. By uh, We have, ever since this uh, injunction went in place, a number of uh, of of these cottage uh, industries have have uh, sprouted up all around the Shawnee National Forest, uh, wineries, uh, microbreweries, um, bed and breakfasts. Uh, we have a number of really fascinating uh, 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 farm to table uh, restaurants. Um, you know, there are uh, 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 rock climbing uh, uh, destinations. Um, uh, you know, horseback riding is very popular in the area. Um, you know, it's just this this uh, industry is getting started, and now all of a sudden we we have this upswing in in uh, resource extraction, which will uh, have a negative impact on such industries. And so we're hoping, uh, and we seem to have quite a bit of uh, local support, um, but we're in our uh, infancy as well, uh, so we have more. Um, more distance to go on that uh, on that front. Well, what do your efforts look like right now? Are you uh, a, approaching members of Congress, uh, local leaders? What, what does that look like? Right now, we are approaching local leaders. I've met with several uh, mayors and and city managers in the area. Um, we hope to reach out to uh, um, local county boards. Um, we have uh, um, uh, the support of a. Uh, a retired congressman right now that is really uh, gaining, uh, um, which is helping people make that step of of actually uh, uh, supporting the project. Um, we've been uh, started a letter writing campaign to members of Congress, including our uh, uh, both our uh, senators uh, as well as representatives. So, if uh, listeners want to find out more, they can go to ShawneeForestDefense.org. Absolutely, yes. And we also have a. Um, they can email us at at, at shawneeforestdefense at gmail dot com as well if they want more information uh, than what they get at the the website. The original moratorium uh, started in part because of public protests, along with legal actions and political outreach. Do you see uh, more public protests uh, heading to the Shawnee National Forest? Unfortunately, I do. I hate. I um, I'm. I hate to say it because I don't see the agency making any um, any changes toward their uh, toward their outlook. We uh, the USDA Forest Service just recently announced a um, uh, uh, a decision on a project around uh, a very popular recreation lake reservoir and and water source lake uh, Kincaid Lake in Jackson County and. Uh, it just uh, made the announcement on uh, it involves 2000 acres of uh, clear cut style uh, shelterwood logging and uh, within this watershed in an area that, that uh, because it is a water source watershed is considered uh, uh, inappropriate for uh, 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 for timber extraction. However, the Forest Service has, has uh, just very conveniently said, well, this isn't for timber. We're we're cutting these trees for forest health, and uh, um, and this is on some of the steepest slopes we have, with some of the most erodible lust soils that can be found in in the state, and uh, and and here they're just setting the state stage for disaster. So, um, unfortunately, um, I'm afraid that that we're going to see more protests, and and 
um, and that people are going to become alarmed because it's, it's just it's too important of a watershed. It's too uh, uh, valued of a recreation area. And again, it's you know it's the classic uh, um, uh, approach by the agency to instead of of uh, you know managing for the for the most people for the the longest amount of time the agency is managing for just a few resource extraction professionals at the expense of the of the majority of the people i i tend to ask guests on this program what has brought them to the environmental movement uh, john wallace what brought you to the environmental movement <sighs> Witnessing too much destruction, you know, it's, it's, uh, um, you know, I like to equate, um, I, I, I like simple concepts. I think most people understand simple concepts and, and most people understand a pie chart, you know, uh, um, because you can actually see, okay, this is, if, if we imagine a pie chart of all the forests um, in America, let's say, over 90, almost 95% of all timber that is cut in, in the U.S. comes off of private land. Um, and so we have these, these little bits of, you know, and, and our public land is, I, I believe its range is somewhere between 25 and, and 30% of, of all the, the land in, uh, in, in uh, the U.S., mm-hmm. You know, can't we can't we set aside that little that little bit? The the other thing is just the beauty of the natural world. I I need <laughs> I need it for my well being. You know, if I'm going to stay sane, I need to get out into nature. I need to go to a quiet a quiet space and and watch and listen to the birds, um, smell the wildflowers, um, uh, watch the seasons change. I, I have to have that and and. And forests are the, you know, they, they provide us with so much. It's even now it's even documented that forests not only do all this great uh, uh, carbon sequestration and storage. Now they've determined that they actually physically cool the earth noticeably. And anyone that spends time in forests, you know, it's it's cooler in the shade than it is out in the sun. But they actually go through a, a chemical process that actually cools the entire region. So. Um, if you think about the state of Illinois, the Shawnee is the state of Illinois is long and, and goes more from north to south. Right at the bottom of it, though, it kind of turns into a triangle. You know, it gets narrow. That's where the Shawnee National Forest is, and and uh, that whole region is cooled by by the forest itself. You know, they've they've documented that it's it's even more than uh, a half of one degree Celsius. Um, you know, it's I've watched weather maps on on the tv news for for years and it's always it's always warmer in say uh the st louis metropolitan area than it is in in southern illinois even though we're farther south which never made sense to me and i thought well it must be because of the concrete and you know all the developments it actually isn't it's it's a physical it it a physical and chemical um a process that takes place and and it cools the region. So, you know, it just makes sense to leave our forests alone. And and so I've become passionate about it. And uh, and that's what pulled me in. Well, John Wallace, we wish you the best of luck and thank you for joining us on Breaking Green. 
Steve, thank you for having me. Um, this is a great uh, podcast. I'm, I feel real honored to take part in it. You have been listening to Breaking Green, a global justice ecology project podcast. To learn more about Global Justice Ecology Project, visit globaljusticeecology.org. Breaking Green is made possible by tax-deductible donations by people like you. Please help us lift up the voices of those working to protect forests, defend human rights, and expose false solutions. Simply text GIVE, G-I-V-E, to 1-716-257-4187. That's 1-716-257-4187.